Hello, friends, fans, collaborators, buddies, homies, however you think of yourself in my world. I think of you as my friends. I'm JF Hicks, and welcome to the Sports Critics Podcast here on SportsCritticsPodcast.com. Now, if you're new to it, it's where I talk with the world's top sports creatives to unlock actionable tips and tricks to recognizing your dreams, upgrading your career, and working on projects that inspire you. My guest today is Victoria McBride. Victoria is the Integrated Marketing Coordinator with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. At the Peach Bowl, Victoria is responsible for all things digital and social, including email marketing, the Peach Bowl website, and mobile ticket education. Now, their work spans throughout the entire year, beginning with the football season, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, throughout the regular season, and then on to the New Year's Six Bowl game, which is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and then starting it all over again to create and storytell throughout the remainder of the year. Prior to the Peach Bowl, Victoria worked with the Green Bay Packers and at North Carolina State Athletics before that. Victoria is absolutely amazing at leading a team of creatives to storytell in an engaging and conversational manner. And that's not easy to do when it's also edgy and corporate at the same time. She's a brand manager, a creative leader. What I really like is Victoria is an incredible human being, so humble and so introspective. Now, I love the process and the details of digital and social. Today with Victoria, we talk about getting buy-in within the organization for creative projects, Victoria's creative leadership and philosophy style, and why she feels it's so important to be intentional. We also discuss establishing and maintaining the organization's brand while being creative at the same time, along with mentorship and so much more. Now, I think you're going to like our conversation, and I say that a lot, but I feel like we curate some great conversations about the nitty gritty about our industry, and I can't wait for you to listen. So please tune in as I get together with Victoria McBride. Hey, Victoria, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm doing so well. I really appreciate you taking time. You know, this is a busy, busy time of the year. We're about, you know, we're in bowl game season. So I really appreciate you taking time to to talk about what you do. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about um, my role in bowl games and a little bit of all that. Yeah, well, we'll jump right into it. You know, we'll we'll clear things up. I always like to do a little bit of housekeeping. And so I want to I want you to help me define, you know, because obviously bowl games are a unique entity, right? There's, you know, there's pro mm-hmm. brands, there's colleges, and then there's kind of what I consider bowl games because it's it's just a different situation. How do you and your organization, uh, Victoria, define your internal and your external stakeholders? Yeah, so we um have a lot of in terms of audience, what people wouldn't necessarily think about. Um, for us, of course, people are fans of their teams and not necessarily fans of an event. Um, so we define things a little bit differently. For us, internal stakeholders would, of course, be like our board, um, you know, our C-suite, their internal stakeholders for us. 
Um, we also have a huge volunteer base. Uh, some of them have volunteered for us for about 50 years. Uh, wow. Some of them 25, some of them 10, some of them one year. So um, for them, there's a lot of milestones and they have a real emotional tie to the game um, and to the city. So those I would consider internal. Um, from an external uh, stakeholder standpoint, of course, the teams that are playing in our game, they're stakeholders for us, um, their fans, their audience. Um, I like to think about the players and the coaches being an audience for us as well, um, because the bowl week experience is not just about the fans. It's also about those teams. Um, so that's really how we define our stakeholders, who they are. Um, and we're really big on hospitality. So making sure that we value them. Which, which of course speaks into the brand, you know, being in the South, being in Atlanta, which is known for hospitality, Southern hospitality. Yeah, that's a, a huge part of who we are as a brand, you know, creating experiences and going the extra mile for those um, that are around the bowl game. Yeah, I, I want to talk about your social feeds, right? You know, I mm-hmm. love it, follow it, love it, uh, because one of the things that I feel like you in uh, your team at, at the Chick-fil-A uh, Peach Bowl have done an excellent job of is really kind of walking the tightrope, right? You are, mm-hmm. you know, more conversational, less corporate than many brands are, but but doing so in a way that's appropriate. Talk to me about getting buy-in, you know, uh, at the beginning and then, you know, kind of throughout this whole process, you're going through different projects. Yeah, I think the number one thing in terms of getting buy-in on that for me was talking about the purpose of having social media. Um, We're not doing it for us. Um, It doesn't serve us unless our audience is engaged. Um, And our audience is only going to be engaged if we prioritize them. Um, One big thing that I talk about a lot is, you know, you need to talk with your audience and not at them. Um, So for me, that conversational tone um, was really important. And it's a little bit different by platform. So you know, how we speak on Facebook is a little bit different than how we speak on Twitter and Instagram and et cetera, et cetera. So um, part of that is analyzing who our audience is, what their age range is on each of those platforms, um, sure. and then going through with our leadership, you know, how are they talking? We need to be talking with them. So what's important to them? What do they value? Um, you know, why do they care? Why are they here on our social feeds and what value are we providing to them? Um, and the value, part of that value is general conversation. Um, some people love sports and they love, you know, kind of the business behind that. And a lot of sports fans don't really get that element. Um, so the more that we can talk with them and educate them on how teams are selected or, uh, you know, what that bowl week experience is like for players and kind of a behind the scenes look, that's what they value. Um, so bringing that conversational tone and making it a little more fun um, for some of the guys, the players as well that are in our game. Um, that was huge for me. And I think, getting buy-in within an organization is one backing up everything that you say with data. Like I said, I went through the age range of our audience, gender, you know, the things we're getting higher engagement on, this is the copy that we use versus maybe something that was a little bit more formal. Um, So backing that up with data, I think is huge in any organization that you're in. Um, That's something I learned really early on here and I will definitely carry with me. Yeah, no, that's great. You, you, you're so right because, you know, I think one of the things is so, so challenging sometimes for creatives and specifically, you know, those who manage social media is getting buy-in because oftentimes you're getting requests as well from throughout the organization, you know, um, 
from with, you know, from people not within the organization. So, you know, blending that into a, a cohesive message and brand and voice is, is definitely a skill set. And, and you, you know, do that at a, a you know, a high level. Um, what are, you know, if you had to say like the biggest thing that you found um, when having these conversations, like what's been the most, you know, valuable thing that you've been able to do to, to, to get this buy-in? Yeah, I think it all starts with education. Um, I think people take their own personal experience on social media and what they might want to see into account versus what your audience overall might want to see. Um, so I think it all starts with educating those people inside the organization that might not necessarily have a direct understanding of running a brand account, right? Um, I, like I said, it's a common perception for people to think because they have personal social media accounts, and this is not even just within our brand, but I think everywhere, um, right. it's a little bit different with with running a brand account. So you're catering to a different audience than, you know, your family and friends. Um, so for me, I think education is the big portion of it. I mentioned using data to back up every point that you're making. Um, that is really important as well. So knowing how to analyze that data is a skill you want to have up front. Um, being able to identify trends and say, look, here's our highest performing piece of content. These are the elements that went in it. We had a conversational tone. We used some emojis here. We had less than one or less than two hashtags. Um, so you being able to call out those individual things that contribute to the success of that content uh, will automatically help you, you know, um, get that buy-in. Yeah, you're so right. Analytics are so huge. Uh, I think as we go into 2021, I think it'll be even, you know, more emphasis moving forward. But, but I think the point that you hit, you know, so well is that people really do experience, um, social and, and, and I think as a professional person who manages social media, it's like, uh, you know, I always used to tell people when I was a Baylor that, you know, we're way more invested in this than the fan is and to, you know, right. help help people frame the topic from the viewers slash fans, uh, you know, standpoint. Right. right. Not not necessarily ours. Like we have a vested interest in something for a particular reason. Right. And I think we have to remind ourselves of that a lot. And that's true even in PR when you're pitching stories. Um, you know, there are some things that cross over there. You have to keep the audience in mind. Um, so obviously we care about our bowl game and who our matchup's going to be. And we care about how much money we might have donated to a certain cause, but why does the audience care about that? And that's important in how you're telling those stories and how you're formatting your content. Yeah, no, that's great. My, my first boss used to always say, you know, you used, used to always ask us when, when young, you know, uh, storytellers were pitching stories, like, why should I care? So no, that, that's so great. great. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about, you know, some more professional development. You, you, of course, report to, to David Epps. He's the chief operating officer and vice president of Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. What does that working relationship look like? Obviously, you manage, uh, you know, social and digital and email marketing and, uh, uh, also educate on, on digital products. And, and obviously his role is, is so key and, you know, uh, to the organization as well. Yeah, um, it, I would probably say, is a little bit different than in most organizations just because we are a small staff. Um, so most people in a role like mine aren't reporting directly to any chief officer and sometimes not even the vice president. Um, he has a lot of experience. So 
for me, when I first came in, it was a lot about learning um, how the bowl operates, how we've marketed as a bowl game in the past, what's important to the brand. Um, one thing I really value from that perspective is that he knows the ins and outs of it because um, he's been there about 24 years now. Um, so I really do value like his knowledge and wisdom and knowing the nuances of the brand. And I think he's a great resource um, in terms of bouncing ideas off of and why this would work, why this might not work. Um, for us, our marketing department is three people total and he is one of them. Um, <laughs> so I own a lot of things, which is great. Um, it was one of the reasons that I took this job up front, just knowing that I was going to get um, a wide range of experience and be able to develop a lot of different skills. Um, <clears throat> in terms of working with him, um, it's been really great to um, just kind of sit down and talk through what the department flow looked like before and what we wanted it to look like now um, when I came in. So there's when I came in shortly after I came in, my counterpart came in as well. So she came in about two months after me. So we kind of got to restructure what that looked like, what our interests were, um, you know, what he thought would fit with our skill set. Um, he does, I will say he's very good with constructive criticism, um, which I really appreciate as well. Um, and he's been a great challenger for me to think from a brand mindset um, and to really, I might have a cool idea, um, but why does that fit for the brand? Right. It doesn't mean that my idea didn't fit originally when it was really cool because there was a reason that I came up with that idea. Um, and I think in social, we learn to trust our gut a lot, but we also are not really taught early on how to um, explain that gut feeling to other people, right? So we know in our heart, this will work. This is a great piece of content. This is going to be successful. Our audience is going to love it. But, you know, how do we explain that to other people so that when we're pitching ideas um, and even pitching to sponsors or pitching to um, larger leadership roles, because um, I've had to pitch some things to our CEO as well, um, how to think through that in terms in that brand lens. No, that's tremendous. It sounds like, you know, one of the, the, the huge assets as well with David is the institutional knowledge, which sometimes, you know, yeah. gets gets lost. Right. And he's a tremendous asset right. there. And and I think the other thing that you really hit on um, is, you you know, you talked about explaining your gut feeling. Right. Which is how to communicate mm -hmm. what you know inside to decision makers right. and executives. So, I mean, it sounds like a, a really good setup that you've got. And it really le leads to my next question and it could, because I've been wanting to ask you this, right? Like I know, you know, that many, many times, you know, there's usually a, a small, small compared to maybe, you know, pro brands and college brands, right. you know, it's a small staff, right? So your full-time staff is around what, 12 people and you manage social, the website, uh, email marketing, mobile ticketing education. How do you manage to get everything done? Um, it is a ton of organization and a ton of leaning on other people. Um, I think we work really well together. So communication has been key. Um, in terms of like social media and content from that perspective, I have a really, really awesome volunteer team that I recruit every year. Um, and if I did not shout them out, I would not be doing them any justice because without them, there would not be anything um, that I could get done. So they have been awesome from a content creation standpoint. Um, when I recruit them, I always like to recruit people that I know that I can trust with a creative vision, um, that have a little sure. bit of experience and have understanding of that brand mindset. So, um, I can be a lot more hands off with that team. 
Um, so without them, I would not be able to get anything done. Uh, without my counterparts, I would say I wouldn't be able to get anything done either. Um, but it's a lot of organization, time management, and communication is huge um, with throughout our staff because we're hosting thousands of fans, and there's only 12 of us that are doing it. So, um, you know, I'd be remiss to say that I did that on my own because that would be uh, quite a lie. But, yeah, I'm very fortunate with my volunteer team and then with the other people in my office, um, and that's from events to sales to everyone else. You know, I'm just really grateful that they're able to pitch in when, when needed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so, it's so huge. And, you know, we're, you know, speaking of which, you know, I want to talk to you about leadership, right? One mm-hmm. of the, the things that we love talking about on the sports greatest podcast. And when you and I were talking, you spoke about intentionality, right? right. And, you know, in terms of leadership style. So what does that mean to you and, and why is that important? Yeah, I think intentionality is a word that I carry into my everyday, not necessarily just leadership. Um, I am a person who sets a word for the year, and that's kind of what I focus on. Um, the last couple of years, intentionality has been a repeat, um, just because I think without it, um, you lose focus, you get distracted. It's hard to get things done to know whether or not you're reaching a goal, right? Um, so for me, leadership starts with intentionality, even in the recruiting and hiring process. Um, I'm being very intentional about who I'm talking to, who I am putting on my team, um, because I need to be able to trust them to get things done. Going back to the fact that we are a small staff, I cannot have my eyes on every single thing at all times when the event is going on. Sure. Um, that's just not realistic. And I know that about my role and where I'm at. Um, so being very intentional in terms of this is what I want to accomplish this year. This is the stories I want to tell. Um, you know, this year I want to focus on a very like cinematic and dramatic style. I'm going to recruit uh, people on my team who have shot that way or who think that way or who see that way and can look at big pictures or find small details and turn those into bigger stories. Um, so intentionality is huge from just that starting standpoint. And then going into, you know, working with people, I like to be very intentional about getting to know them and who they are um, and their working style and what makes them tick. Because if I can find that out, then I can get great work out of them. Um, And then they'll also get what they need out of that experience. No, that's tremendous. I I think, you know, when you describe intentionality, I almost could substitute that also, you know, not being exactly the same, but very similar in emotional intelligence, right? Right. which is like the gold of 2020. And I think it'll be the gold of 2021 as well. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think thinking about where you want to be with your end goal in mind and is what I'm doing right now at this very moment going to get me there or is it taking me a step toward that goal? Right. Yeah. I often, sometimes when, when, when I have, you know, colleagues call me or friends or sometimes and they're telling me a story and they'll say what happened. And sometimes, you know, I'm thinking like, what, what outcome did you expect from, you know, how right. that happened? How, you know, what you did. So that's so key. And, and, and I think that's really important, right? For bowl games, right? Which have right. these large volunteer staffs, large intern staffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's the case for many bowl games. I'm sure that's the case, right? For the Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. uh, peach bowl, you know, it's the same scenario, you know, let's talk about your creative leadership, right? Because one of the things that is huge is the onboarding and managing a staff. Talk to me about what that looks like in, in your leadership style, because like you said, I mean, there's one of you and many uh, of the of the folks that you're working with. Right. Um, you know, I talked 
a little bit earlier just about being able to trust who I'm hiring. Um, so that's part of the part of my first step in my philosophy in terms of leadership. Um, I am more hands off. I like to let people flow and then I'd rather rein you in um, and kind of bring you back a little bit than <laughs> have to try to right. like push things out of you. Um, so for me, I will do my best to set people up for success as well. Um, I think empowerment is huge. So if I can give you everything that you need to know and spell that out for you from the beginning, from the jump, before you start any work, I can tell you, you know, this is the style that we're going to need. If you're doing a video, this is the formatting that you're going to need. Um, this is the two or three things that have to be in there. And then I say, take with that information and do whatever you want with it. Um, that is when people really kind of produce the best content um, or when they have freedom to create. Uh, I think that kind of empowers people to do their best work. Um, and I've seen that as a trend in the last two or three years. And so that's kind of why I stuck with that. Um, when I first started, this was my first job out of college. So recruiting my first team was a little bit nerve wracking um, because right. I didn't really know how to lead a team that big. Um, from where I was, I had done some smaller leadership things, but having my own team and telling them what to do and coming up with the plan and all of that was a little bit scary for me. Um, but it's been one of the best things. I think I am one of those people that is a trial by fire person. Um, I like to be thrown <laughs> right into it and that's just how I'll figure it out from there. Um, but I think creative leadership, it requires empowering people and giving them freedom to be who they are. Um, I think, and that's even in like relationships and personally, um, you know, when we're sitting in meetings, I don't want you to feel like you can't be yourself in that meeting. Um, or if you have an idea, I don't want you to think that it's going to um, be received negatively or you're going to get laughed at or whatever for pitching that idea. Um, so setting up and creating an inclusive environment is really important to me as well. Um, I like really off-the-wall ideas just because even though they might not always work, they might bring us to something that we weren't necessarily going to think of otherwise. Um so I like to empower and encourage people to just bring whatever they have to the table and we'll go from there. Yeah. Like you're saying, intentionality, emotional IQ, empowerment, those are they're so important to what you're doing. And and I want to talk to you about, you know, while you're doing that, um, managing, you know, designers, right? Uh, videographers, motion designers. Talk to me about managing them in the sense of, you're setting them up when they come in, you're, you're giving them the tools, these are the fonts you need. These are the things that, that, that we need to do for our sponsors right. um, as well. How did you, how do you manage giving them the freedom to be creative while staying within the brand structure as well? Yeah, I think for me, I almost like to create an outline, right? So here are the things that have to be done. You know, we have to create a score graphic and it has to have, the final score, the team logos, and some sort of relevant photo. But from there, you can take that and do what you wish with it. Um, so, and that could be creating, you know, a photo overlay that's a little bit funkier um, or playing around with the text and what that looks like. Um, so I think I like to create a framework. Um, and I like to say, I don't, I wouldn't put it necessarily as a box, but I like to say I create the outline. Um, and then I let them fill in the details, right? So if you're writing an essay, you start with an outline, you start with the things that you know you have to have, and then from there you start writing, and that's when you fill in the details. Um, I like to be the one that gives them the outline, and then the details is all up to them. 
I love it. That's great. Setting people up for success is so huge. Yeah. Um, it and and I want to talk to you about you know because part of the bowl game, right? You'll you'll know you know the same time I know the same time the fans know who will be in the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, and I I want to talk because right we know every year there's a changeover of staff and administration. Maybe it's the athletic director, right. maybe it's the you know the staff, the executive staff, and the people that fall. Uh, underneath them, it could even be a new, a totally new coaching staff. Mm. So sometimes maybe those individuals have been to bowl games, but obviously the unit hasn't done it. So what are things that schools can do to be proactive, to really kind of be elite? Uh, what have you found things that they can do? Yeah, I think thinking about what your plan is going to be up front and kind of having that solidified is already a great start. Um, and then from there, it's just communication, right? So for me, I like to try to build relationships prior to Selection Sunday. Um, so I start reaching out to teams that have a solid possibility of being named to our game um, up front before we even get to Sunday so that we already know who we should be talking to. Um, I think looking from a whole athletic department perspective, um, and this is helpful even outside of social, um, just creating even a sheet that has everybody's responsibilities on it. Um, and then sharing that with the bowl games, right? So some people, and I think even athletic departments are structured a little bit differently. So somebody who is the director of creative media at NC State might be the person who's in charge of logos, but somebody who's the director of creative media at um, Auburn University might be the person who's doing video um, for the football team. So those responsibilities are a little bit different. So I think when sharing those contacts, it's important to focus on who's in charge of what, not necessarily titles. Um, I think that's really important because I think, you know, just going through experiences, I've struggled with that in the past is finding the right person to reach out to for the right thing and knowing that at different institutions, they might have the same title, but be doing completely different jobs. Um, And that's just how teams are structured. And that's even true professionally um, and professional sports. Outside of that, I think being willing to share assets, um, being open. So thinking about photo, video, um, you know, working directly with teams to craft copy, sharing what your hashtag is, um, sharing what you've seen do well with your audience on social. Um, those are questions that I like to bring to those teams. Um, so I'll ask them, have you seen anything that's really made your audience get hyper engaged, right? Um, is there something that you guys have done in the past that your audience has really liked and really gone crazy for? We might not copy that, but there are things that we can take from that um, that we can put into our own work as well. Um, another thing to keep in mind is really that we're all working toward the same goal. We all want the same thing. Um, we're trying to tell the yep. story. We're just telling it from different perspectives. Um, so really, it should be one complete story. So if the audience is going to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl's account and to Cincinnati's account, for example, if they end up in our game, um, they're going to see different content but the story should complete itself. Um, So it should really all be sort of a circle um, in terms of what you guys are doing. It should all complement each other. Um, You know, we are a New Year's Six Bowl game. That's really important to us. And I know that's really important to a lot of teams that are in our game. Um, So telling that story of making it to an elite event is really important. Um, And that tends to be a commonality. So finding those commonalities and how you can work together to tell that story to each other. No, I love it. I mean, I think having a, a plan beforehand and, and, and letting folks know, like you said, you may 
you may need something from the equipment manager when you mm-hmm. and I were talking, you know, before and, you know, maybe going directly to them and, you know, for, so having those list of contacts is so, is so huge and sharing, yeah. you know, the assets and having those ready, you know, uh, at announcement time, I think for, for schools will really, uh, from your, from your perspective, probably be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And just knowing that we're here to help too. Um, and most of the time people are willing to help you. I think that's, the truth in most cases. Um, so just being open and communicating what you need. I think asking for what you need is huge too. A lot of people will um, know that they need something, but be afraid to ask for it or feel like it might not be the right time or whatever. Um, I think just being able to speak up and ask for what your needs are from the school and vice versa. If the school is, you know, their photographer is not going to be able to come in until the day of the game. So they need practice photos. We might have right. a photographer there and we can share those assets. Um, so just, being proactive about asking for what you need and communicating and understanding that, like I said, we're all working to tell the same story and the same goal in a way that complements each other. Yeah. I mean, so, so huge. Like I would, when I was a Baylor, I would start probably in September, really kind of putting together a plan of how we're going to communicate about, right. you know, ticket sales, which, are, you know, schools are responsible for and what does that look like and, and, and having that moment ready when a team is bowl eligible right. and, and, you know, having those conversations for the internal needs. So I think having that along with be, having your items ready for the bowl game can really maximize, right? Cause that's, that's what, yeah. Teams have been, you know, working for since fall camp and for some, for some student athletes right back when they signed, you know, that's one of the things they want to play in those bowl games. So I, I think it's, it's really incumbent upon, you know, staff to really have a great moment so that the student athletes have the best possible experience and the coaches. Um, but want to talk to you, you know, about something else. You're a mentor in the Creative Plug, you know, a program that uh, that we started here at the Sports Creators Podcast. Uh, it was myself along with Katie Cavender, Chanel Walker, Rob Knox, Jonathan Gant, Linnea Phillips, Jack Patterson. I have to give them a huge shout out. I can't yeah. mention the Creative Plug without them. And it's a program started right for connecting and mentoring, empowering black creatives in sports and media. And, you know, we called you and said, hey, you know, we've drafted you. We think you could be a really good mentor. Why did you feel the need or, you know, that it was necessary and important to be active and involved in this? Yeah, I think it's a couple of reasons. One, I am just all about empowering people in general. Um, But for me, having come up in this space and not really having that leadership. Um, I think it was really sort of new, you know, Chanel's at NC state. That's where I was previously. We didn't have a director of creative media when I was there. Um, so we, by the time we had gotten one of those, I was graduating and I was on my way out the door. Um, so not having that mentorship, not necessarily having someone with that skill set or that knowledge coming up, I think that would have given me a boost um, and where I'm at today. And, you know, thankfully there are people who really invested in me and I also was just very self-motivated. So I taught myself the skills that I needed to. Um, and I had people to go ask questions that maybe could connect me to the right people. Um, but having somebody who is directly focused and engaged and who cares about what I'm doing and where I'm going, um, and where I want to be, who can help me get there would, would have been huge. Um, so I think not having had that and knowing how much of an asset that would have been to me, um, was a huge region, reason for me wanting to get started in this program. Um, I think, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, there's not a lot of Black creatives in sports. Um, there just right. really isn't. And I think um, one of the things that 
I kind of feel conflicted about is I feel like sports in general in the social and digital space, because a lot of it is geared towards recruiting. Most of those athletes are of color, right? They're borrowing yep. from our culture, yep. but not necessarily being the ones who are in it and understand it. Um, so I think it's important to try to empower the black creators that we do have to get into those roles. Um, and also just to create a path for more of them to come up. Right. Um, you know, I want to see more black creatives in this space. Um, I want to see more black creatives in beauty. I want to see them in fashion, um, and areas of influence in our culture, because in a lot of ways we have created what people coined the culture. Um, so I think it's really important to empower people to get into those spaces so that there's not people who are borrowing from that. Um, but there are people who are in it and understand it and know how to market it. And, and, you know, first of all, I I definitely want to thank you for being involved with the program and applaud you because not just a creative plug, right? Like you, you know, when we've talked, you, you do a really good job of keeping up with, you know, people that you've mentored, whether Mm -hmm. they volunteered or interned at the bowl game. So I know that that mentorship in general is something that's very important to you. Right. Well, yeah, like I said, I really appreciate being a part of it. Um, I was extremely flattered when you guys asked me to be a part of it. Um, and it's something I'm still very fired up and really excited about. Um, I still keep in touch with almost all of my former interns. Um, almost everyone who's volunteered for me is currently working in sports in some form or fashion um, in that creative amazing, arena. By, so, the way. By, by the way, I'm amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, so I try to keep up with all of them, whether that's just a, hey, how are you? Is there anything you need help with? Um, or I'm just checking in, trying to keep up with them from that standpoint. I know we all get really busy, especially this time of year. Um, but just trying to right. keep up with them and making sure that I'm doing what I can to help push them forward. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, you reap what you sow. So eventually that will also come back to me. And I think a lot of people struggle with doing that in fear of, getting behind or seeing everybody else go ahead of them, because I think there's a lot of um, competitive nature in the sports digital space. Um, But I'm just a firm believer that, you know, you get out of things what you put into them. Um, So if you're putting good vibes out there into the universe, if you're empowering people, you'll get that in return. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I I love what you're saying because like in my office, when, at Baylor and everywhere else I work, I always have, I always have a sign. It, it becomes like a joke in the office. It's, it's good vibes only, right? Not, right. Not, not, I mean, everybody knows it, but I, I like, I love it where I can see it, mm-hmm. right? Where I can, it keeps me on point for that because I think you're, you're so key. And then the also thing that like you talked about, you know, you know, as we get busy in this industry, not forgetting to, you know, reach out to people and, and contact. So I, I really want to give you a shout out, you know, for, for all that you're doing in that space. Um, one of the things I want to talk about though, too, is on the show, we, we try to have a lot of authenticity, right? A lot mm-hmm. of real conversations about not just the, the, the things that go well, but right. you know, sometimes the, 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 the missteps, you know, maybe, you know, it's like, it's like basketball. If you shoot a shot, it's like, man, I wish I would have had that one back or hiccups maybe and kind of everything in between, you know, and, you know, like you were saying about the space and, and social media in, in general, sometimes I, I feel like it makes it uh, feel like everything's perfect. Right. right. And you look on social media and you see someone or they look at you, Victoria, and you're already at step 22. But but what 
folks don't maybe realize that there's like 10,000 steps before that, right? Oh, yeah. that, that For where you are. So I, li- I love talking about that. I love talking about the start and the challenge. What are some challenges or failures or missteps that you've had, you know, or struggles in your career um, in social digital, uh, you know, personally and or possibly uh, with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind in that, I think we see people in full-time roles and think, wow, that's awesome. How did they get there? How did they do that? Um, when I was graduating from NC State, I had been working with the team full-time for about a year and a half um, in sort of a digital and operations hybrid role. Um, I had applied for tons of post-grad internships in social, uh, just knowing that there's really no entry-level jobs in sports. It's one of those things you got to do an internship first and then get to that full-time role. Um, I had gotten to the final two, the SAWS in the final round of interviews for six different organizations. Um, all of them were wow. great. All of them were like huge brands. And I was like, yes, one of these is going to come through. My odds are really good. Right. Um, I got zero of those six. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, that was kind of a wake up call for me in terms of, you know, just because you're right there and right on the cusp, that might not be the opportunity for you. Um, and I think right. a huge learning experience that came out of that is that, you know, those doors just weren't the doors for me and that's okay. Right. Um, so I ended up with the Packers after I'd gotten six of those no's two weeks later, I ended up getting an interview with the Packers, um, and then ended up going there. And that was a great experience. Um, one that set me up to be where I am today, um, and has given me a lot of knowledge that I would not have gotten elsewhere. Um, especially in the realm of like sponsored content, um, analyzing data, knowing those trends. If I had been in any other role, I would have never learned that. Um, so it was, and that's one of the things that I brought with me here. It's one of the reasons that I was hired at the bowl. Um, it's one of the reasons that, you know, people still come to me for knowledge in that arena. So I think that was one of the best things that's ever happened to me, but also being able to take rejection, um, use it, um, to kind of build yourself up and realize, okay, this is the areas I need to grow, but not take it personally. Um, cause it was nothing that I did as a person that I didn't get those jobs for. Right. Right. Um, and one, when, one of the things I did when I had gotten all of those no's was I reached out to them and I said, Hey, if you have any constructive feedback on how I can better my resume or portfolio or interview skills, please let me know. Um, you know, and I was very real and very fortunate that the people who had interviewed with me, I was able to share my situation with them. And I was like, here's where I'm at. You know, I was in the final round for all of these things and I didn't get it. And I just want to know, you know, what is the reasoning behind why you might not have hired me? Right. Um, you also have to realize that you aren't for everyone. So some spaces will accept you and who you are in your creative mind. And, um, you know, the way that you think about things, your perspective is really important. Um, but it's not for every space. So Right. Learning that lesson. Was and that's not funny. a bad and that's not a bad thing. No, right? it's because not a maybe, bad thing at all. Maybe you get to that space and maybe that's you, you. You're not happy. They're not happy as well. Right. Right. So and that's like I said, that rejection was probably the best thing that happened for me and for those people. Um, do I think I could have provided value in all of those roles? Absolutely. Um, do I think that if you end up in a space where maybe you're what you thought was going to be accepting of your perspective that isn't necessarily accepting in the way that you want it to be. Do I think you can still provide value in a role like that? Absolutely. Um, But I think just learning that you're not for everyone and that's okay was huge. 
um, and learning not to take that personally. I think that's something I've struggled with in life, you know, overall, um, in friendships, relationships, and in work, I think just learning that you are not for everyone and that's okay. And that's good for you and for them. Um, and learning how to accept that and move on and, um, take what you can to improve, you know, who you are and to get you to where you want to be. Yeah. You, you just sit on some gold uh, nuggets there, right? Perseverance, right? Which yeah. is so key. And, you know, and having, you know, um, the ability to come back. My grandmother, when I was growing up, used to say, you know, you know, it's not no, it's it's not today. Yeah. Right. So how we'll check back with you tomorrow. Right. So she used to say that uh, when I was growing up and just receiving feedback, which is so huge, right, yeah. to to growth and being able to move forward. So I think that that uh, that's so huge. And I always talk about which, you know, we hear it all the time, 10,000 hours to toil. Right. right. So I, I love you. I really appreciate you, you know, being uh, 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 open and authentic and sharing your story. Um, I do want to talk to you one thing. Mm -hmm. Walk us through game week, right? I know you get this a lot. It's, yeah. this is your third full season. I know, um, uh, w with the, uh, Chick-fil-A peach bowl, but, but what does that look like? I know it's a lot of chaos. Is it like getting shot out of a cannon? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, it is like <laughs> you are, you know, walking at one pace and, all of a sudden you, something comes around the corner and they're chasing you with a chainsaw and you got to start sprinting. Um, it is <laughs> kind of crazy, but in the best way, um, I, and I think a lot of people that work in sports probably feel the same way just because if you didn't, I don't know that you would, um, really be successful in that space, but I thrive under pressure. I love that. Um, that's kind of my favorite time of year is game week. So for us, um, like I said, we'll find out teams on selection Sunday when everybody else finds out, and then it's kind of hit the ground running. In a normal year, teams would arrive seven days early, and we would have a week full of events. Um, they'd be doing like a battle for bowl week. They'll be doing educational right. trips. They'll be doing, in addition to their practices and everything else, um, you know, usually we'll have like a barbershop for them, which is a really cool event. They can come during it, their haircut and all that, but. Um, so usually I am working, you know, in 10 places at once all the time, um, you know, trying to manage a team and then also trying to make sure that everything gets done on my list that has to get done. Um, in terms of handling content, it's kind of the same way that I approach, um, you know, leading my team is I like to give myself a framework. So these are the things that absolutely have to be done um, during the week. You don't have, you know, for us, a lot of teams have, 10 games in a season. So if they miss one thing, they have time to make up for it. We don't. So I have to make sure that I'm really on top of what we're doing and what has to go out. Um, so I'll make a list of my absolute must-haves. And then from there, I let my team fill in any sort of creative things that might pop up during the week. Or if I get an idea, I'm able to call one of them and say, hey, can you create this graphic? Or can you come up with this video? Or can you catch a clip of this that is happening right now downstairs at the team hotel or something like that? Um, so that's kind of how I handle it from a content perspective. I think too, really just making sure that I don't get so wrapped up in work and lose sight of the fact that we are all people. Um, so I try to make sure that I schedule time in my calendar to check in with everybody. Hey, how are you feeling? Are you burnt out? Have you eaten today? Um, those are things that are really important too, because we've <laughs> got to take care of ourselves as people um, to be successful professionally. Um, and then from a media relations standpoint, uh, you know, just working with the team, I like schedule time in my calendar to check in with them as well, too. 
Um, and I do the same thing, kind of check in with them personally, like, Hey, you, this might be your first time in Atlanta. Do you need restaurant recommendations? Um, do you guys feel comfortable going down here? Or you're staying downtown. Here's some things that you might be able to do if you have free time during the week. If you don't, and you need something, you need a meal, you need something else. I can have a chicken sandwich sent up. Um, you know, I can share some photos with you if that's what you're looking for. If you need a contact over at the stadium in order to get in to shoot something, you know, just let me know. So I try to be really accessible um, in terms of like relationship standpoint, making sure that teams have what they need. It's really just about communication at the end of the day. Um, and then, like I said, I try to prioritize people as people first and then professionals second. Wow. Victoria, I know you are extremely, extremely busy with the chick-fil-a peach bowl you have the kickoff games the dodd trophy the golf tournament uh the most charitable bowl game in america i know you're busy so really appreciate your time and will you come back because i feel like there's some things i still wanted to talk about we didn't have time for today and i hope you come back and, and visit with us again in the future yeah thank you so much for having me i would love to come back anytime all right thank you and good luck Thank you. All right. That wraps it up. A couple of things before we get out of here. The Sports Greatest Podcast is found on sportsgreatestpodcast.com. I'm JF Hicks. You can find me using the handle at J-A-Y, the letter F, Hicks. That's J-F Hicks all over social media and the internet. Leave a comment or a question and I'll respond as soon as possible. Let's connect.